0: from kqed
1: from kqed in san francisco i'm nina kim coming up on forum martha gonzalez learned this month she was a winner of the macarthur genius grant one of two California recipients of the $800,000 stipend. Gonzalez is a professor, a feminist music theorist, frontwoman of the Grammy-winning East LA group Quetzal, and a self-described Chicana Artivista, or someone who uses their skill to instigate critical dialogue and serve the community. We'll meet the newly minted MacArthur Fellow after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This song is called East Side Sunrise, and it's written and performed by my guest, Marta Gonzalez, and the Grammy Award-winning band, Getzal. In addition to being the band's lead singer, songwriter, and percussionist, Gonzalez is an associate professor of Chicanx and Latinx studies at Scripps College, Chicana Artivista, and, as of this month, a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. Martha Gonzalez, welcome to Forum. Thank you for having me. Really glad to have you, And, and, of course, congratulations on winning a MacArthur grant. Can you tell us first how you got the news
2: um, it's about a month and a half before it was announced, um, and, uh, I was in my office getting ready to teach, uh, and I, you know, I answered the call, a call, because I thought it was my air conditioning folks, and it was really <laughs> hot, <laughs> it was a really hot moment here in LA, and, uh, and, um, and then they told me the news, and I was totally shocked and, you know... I think I dropped a couple of F-bombs and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought it was, a, a, I don't know, a joke. And I just disbelief for quite a while. But Yeah. yeah. Who
1: who was the first person you told?
2: Um, the only, per- we were only allowed to tell one person. And I told my partner, Quetzal wow. Flores. Yeah. Because nice. he's been, he's been a huge part of, of the work that we've, do- we've done this work together. So I, you know, it's just it's so to be singled out was a little odd i have to say and you know and uh but
1: yeah <laughs> yeah when you say this work also the song that we just heard east side sunrise mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about it it sounds lovely and you definitely picture a sunrise as you're hearing the music
2: yeah it's it's the beginning opening track to uh, an album we recorded um in quetzal a couple years back uh and it, the al- the entire album is dedicated to um, urban animals, right? Mm-hmm. We work a lot in the son jarocho genre, and the son jarocho genre is really uh, um, reflects the lyricism and the poetry reflects a lot of, you know, the land and like the landscape and animals and and, uh, and so we inspired by that genre we decided to write an entire album based on urban animals and the kinds of animals we see around here in the urban space and the kinds of things where we can possibly learn from them. And so that's kind of just like um, opening track right before we start with our first track, which is called Rooster.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, you're quoted by MacArthur as saying that that you believe that participatory creative practices – are tools of dialogue that are generative and an important part of the lexicon of social justice movements. And I'm thinking about how you notice the urban animals uh, that you share the world with, but also it makes me think a lot about um, one of the things that you do that I was so curious about. It it was called the collective songwriting process. And I'm wondering if you could describe what collective songwriting is.
2: Yeah, you know, as As a musician, you know, I utilize my skill sets in different contexts and the collective songwriting method is one of those um, methodologies that we've developed out over time and and it's basically writing a song. It's just what it sounds like, and that is writing a song with the consenting community, right? And the idea here is that we're really in the room as facilitators and not trying to impose or influence the songwriting process in any way, right? We have the skill sets to do it. I can write a song all by myself in my living room. Right. And that's truly not the point. The point here is to engage the community in a kind of dialogue Um, you know, we write semantic charts, we, um, throw ideas around and, and, and my job is sort of to continue to ask questions and, and sort of prod why folks are choosing certain words over others, how we negotiate the word, um, the, uh, lyric building process. And so, um, although the goal at the end of the day, although the goal is to write a song together. Um, What happens is something much more important, and that is the process, right? I really try to signal to the process that is taking place, um, the kinds of um, words we're using, uh, the way in which our imaginations take flight, um, the way in which we're, you know, sometimes we're called in, for example, to do collective songwritings in, in moments of, of, of great um, um, strife, right? Like, um, whether it's about uh, Black, um, Black Lives Matter issues, or the state of houselessness, and the greed crisis in, in housing, um, all of these things, right? The way folks um, theorize through the act of writing songs and music together um, is just, uh, fascinating. And we come to the kinds of conclusions that we wouldn't come to had we been in a boardroom, in a boardroom, uh, sitting around a boardroom table, having some kind of intellectual discussion. I think that art and music challenges us to think in ways that, that we wouldn't normally do.
1: Yeah, I-, I wanted to ask you more about that, just in terms of how, um, foundationally, it's a songwriting process, how that enables or what effect you feel like it has on the dialogue that's emerging from the group
2: um it really uh you know when you when we when i'm in a room and folks are dealing uh with a difficult subject right if we put our creative thinking caps on right um i think that like poetry you know uh you don't have to sort of, it's not, you don't have to build the kind of narrative that is tied to some kind of, um, like in linear narratives, right? Yeah. We can use words in ways that are um, free, that are, we can juxtapose words in ways that are, um, and rhythms and melody, of course, that are, that give us another way of thinking about the world and the problems, of course, but but also solutions, right? We're kind of dreaming together in ways that we can't do when we're trying to formulate a sentence structure or build a, 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 a write a manifesto or, you know, a speech, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like folks really, the creative process is another way of theorizing, right, about our lives. But more importantly, it's a way of really visualizing. Um, our futures, right? Dreaming together and which is what we're going to need to do um, and um, is dream together. But also that dreaming really brings us, um, makes us a lot more bolder about what we want for the future and, and how we're doing, how we're going to need each other and be together to do that. Right.
1: Well, we have a cut from a song that you helped the Seattle Fandango project write collectively. Called uh, Las Semitas, Las Semitas, or The Little mm-hmm. Seeds. Uh, let's mm-hmm. hear a little bit of it right now. Mm-hmm. this this song come about and what is it that that you feel like came out of the process of collective songwriting in terms of the message that people wanted to share
2: right well um this song was written a couple years back with the Seattle Fandango project um it's in the guys and the style of the song Jarocho which is native to the state of Veracruz and uh we had um, we're part of establishing, my partner Quetzal Flores and I were part of establishing the Seattle Fandango Project, which is um, a community, grassroots community there in, in Seattle that really focuses on the fandango, which is uh, participatory music and dance practice native to the state of Veracruz. And so we were visiting, um, we've, we had left years prior to move back to Los Angeles, um, because we lived in Seattle for a while, about six years. And um, when we came back home, we decided to create a, a, conduct a collective songwriting workshop in the actual workshop space where we usually just jam and learn fandango. And so one of the things they wanted the group wanted to focus on was the importance of the youth that are in that are learning there alongside with us, because a lot of folks in the project, the, Seattle, the SFP um, have a lot of kids, you know, and that particular community has been really mindful of, of um, centering the kids, at least for part of the two hours of workshop space and so um, you know, some of the ideas that flowed through the, and that the community wanted to express were how important our children are to us, how their um, learning um, and our examples and how we relate to each other as community, how we're building out, um, you know, our our bonds, our how we work through our problems is extremely important to their spiritual well-being and their um you know what—that they're learning, that they're watching us, and and how we are the ones that are watering and tending to the seeds.
1: You hmm. know. We're talking with Martha Gonzalez, twenty twenty two MacArthur Fellow from California, East L. A. Actually, and we want to hear from you, our listeners. Do you sing or make music with other people on a regular basis? And if so, why? Email forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're at kqedforum. Or call us, 866-733-6786. 866-733-6786. We want to know what the process of making music or singing does for you. And we'll have more with Martha Gonzalez after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with Marta Gonzalez, Associate Professor of Chicanx and Latinx Studies at Scripps College, a singer, songwriter, and percussionist for the East Los Angeles band Quetzal, and now a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. We're curious if you sing or make music with other people often or on a regular basis and, and what that experience is like, why you do it. Or if you've combined art and activism, or remember being affected by participating in or witnessing the combination of art and activism, or if you just have questions for Martha Gonzalez, you can email forum at KQED.org, find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, or call us, 866-733-6786. Marta, we heard uh, Las Samitas just before the break. I'm curious what you hear from people, what people tell you after they participate in the songwriting collective songwriting process with you?
2: Mm, Wow. Well, it's always most, I would say 99% of the time is transformative. Right. Mm. I think folks are like, wow, I didn't think we were going to be able to write a song together in an hour and 15 minutes. This is crazy. I can't believe we did this. I've always loved music, you know, and, um, and I, this was a great experience, right? I've had people in tears, just be totally inspired by it. Folks take out their phones and record what they've done together with others. I mean, all sorts of, of, you know, positive sort of feedback about the experience. Um, Some folks also, um, say things like you know I wish we would have used this word over another I mean it's not like it's all uh, the fun and games but (laughs) as soon as (laughs) as soon as I point out that for me or for us or what we're trying to do here is not so much that great we have a song and the natural impetus for most folks that are experiences for the first time is to like oh wow we could record this I bet and play it on the radio right and that's not the point that's never the point the point is really because, you know, that's the capitalist impulse, right? Like we, we make or we buy music, um, we sell or we buy music. That's kind of the social arrangements of music that we've all grown up with, most of us have grown up with. The point here is to recognize that we've been through a process that has been um, enjoyable, um, that we've cr- you've created something with others and that it's as fleeting as the wind, you know, the clouds going by. But that we're, we pay attention and we are mindful. It's kind of like a state of mindfulness. And we gauge the success of the workshops by the depth of participation. Mm. Right.
1: Uh, well, let me go to a caller. Monica in Oakland is on the line. Hi, Monica, you're on. Hi. Um, I love
4: this. Topic. And I'm a singer, and um, I, I sang when I was much younger, like in college. And then in my 40s, I started singing again through an, uh, a company called Bandworks, uh, which performs here out of Oakland and San Fe. And they get kids and adults together in bands, and um, you know, you don't really have to have much musical experience, and and uh, you do covers. And I've been doing it for about six years, and it's just brought me so much joy. Um, and happiness. And the beautiful thing about it is at this age, I'm not trying to land a record contract or anything. I'm just trying to have a good time and be creative and jam with other musicians.
1: Uh, Monica, thanks. Uh, I love hearing what Monica was saying, because I've heard you say also, Martha, about how this isn't about making money, making, uh, you know, music, uh, making music in a way where you're trying to think about, you know, the product. Uh, Is that... Why is that really important with regard to this process?
2: Well, we, we, and and I love what Monica said. Absolutely. I can see why she is enjoying this and uh, you know, it's sort of, um, and it's, I, I hear those stories a lot, right. Where folks come up to me also and say, I used to play music and I don't anymore. And I left it because I can't make any money. And my parents said I had to do something that was, that I could really make a living off of, right? But that means that we don't have a culture that really supports that in our in our in our Western world here, right? Everything is about commodities, and everything is about making it, and um, and everything is about if you're the success in music means you have a record contract, you go on tours, and you you know, and you you know, <laughs> basically. Um, waste away in many ways um, to to an industry, right? You're a slave to an industry. And, and uh, that is not, number one, if you really know the industry, and if you do your research, it's exploitative. <laughs> and the industry is, you know, I mean, Spotify and all these other ways in which the uh, record companies are trying to continue to gouge artists and take hold of intellectual and creative property. I mean, all of it is just it's just, it's just all a facade. It's all, you know, and so once you realize that, uh, you know, um, I think it's important for us to recognize that the capitalist system in so many ways has fundamentally arranged how we relate to our creative selves. And these are the things that we need to undo and unpack, realize, and go back to what music was originally intended to, I mean, there's, there's a, 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 what the music was originally intended to right? Why we even began to make sound and rhythm as human beings. And that is, it was a cathartic exercise that we did with others. It was a way in which we, we bonded. It was, um, you know, a way of healing for individuals and communities. And I truly believe that if we made culture of these kinds of practices again in all kinds of ways reaching back into our original um, ethnic cultures, but also invent ways of being together creatively and in our communities that there might be less mental health problems and uh, less violence perhaps. And, and a lot more um, sort of undoing of all the, the stress and tension that the world gives us, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me go next to Antonio in Santa Clara. Hi, Antonio. You're on.
5: Hola, ¿cómo están ustedes? Muy
2: bien, gracias.
5: (laughs) I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, Quetzal is one of the greatest. And, you know, the the only band that might be greater is Celso Piña. (laughs) <laughs> Cumbia sobre el Rio. and and i just want to say thank you because quetzal you are so fantastic i just i i love it i love it i love it mucho amor
2: gracias thank you <laughs>
1: it sounds like you've got Quite a fan. Thanks, Antonio, for the call. And, and I'd love to talk with you more about Quetzal. Uh, well, first of all, one of the things that you talked about earlier before the break was about Fandango. And I've and I've read and heard and can hear that Quetzal has brought fandango to Southern California. So so first, can you describe a little more of what fandango is? You talked about how it is from Veracruz and so forth, but, but could you describe um, a little more about it for people who might not be familiar?
2: Okay, well, first of all, we didn't bring fandango. <laughs> I just want to say that. Um, fa- we are practitioners of fandango and there are many practitioners hundreds of practitioners in the state of california as well as all over the united states at this point and even in japan and france and like you know and what fandango is 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 a participatory practice and for lack of a better word is um you know a fiesta right that has music um the music of the son jarocho, and so just as a reference, um, one of the most famous son jarocho tunes or sones in the genre is called La Bamba. You know La Bamba, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Para bailar La Bamba. Mm-hmm. Right. Richie mm-hmm. Valens made it famous in pop right. music, etc. But um, the, the La Bamba is just one son of many sones that you could possibly play during this fiesta. Um, it's participatory, transgenerational. There is mu- the music, there is uh, the poetry embedded in the music and as part of the lyricism. There is a dance, percussive dance on a wooden platform. Um, you know, uh, there's a call and response uh, format to the actual practice. And uh, really, it's it's a, one song could last like um, an hour if it feels good, if it's grooving, if it's has energy um there's a whole protocol on how we participate and the most important thing is that it's not performance it's participatory right so we you don't have you have folks that are highly skilled and almost they're and masters of the craft and then you have beginners standing side by side playing together learning from each other um you know uh, interacting in the music and the dance and the the poetic practice um, and yeah, it's it's just, it's absolutely um, cathartic. You can sweat things out there. People, you see people cry. You see people uh, fall in love. <laughs> you also uh, watch people fight, you know. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's a community that has been built out over many years, thanks to the direction of, especially one group in particular, they're called Mono Blanco, and they are from um, Veracruz. These, uh, state of Veracruz the capital and um, but originally from uh, tres zapotes especially Gilberto gutiérrez and a lot of the the different members of that have gone through the, the mono Blanco group have um, been very generous with their information with their with the fandango itself with the teachings with the workshops and so we're just one small you know members of our group have help facilitate, you know, this dialogue, um, by early on, by raising money, bringing these guys over, um, having them, you know, teach in communities here, um, you know, and then there's a very informal, um, dialogue amongst the different States and different parts of the state of California. For example, the Bay area has a huge Fandango community, um, uh, here and, uh, and so, and Los Angeles has a very thriving one as well, as as well as um, uh, Santana, um, Chicago, you know, and we are all sort of via Facebook and now Instagram, we've been just communicating across these mediums and, and uh, you know, share, uh, sharing contacts and, and, you know, connecting to maestros and and um, and it's, you know, whether it's instruments or shoes or um, building up tarimas, which are the wooden platforms that we dance on. I mean, it's all it's a whole network of people that are part of this community that can, that gives us all life in so many ways and helps us connect to each other hmm. and um, and to a greater purpose.
1: I, I want to play a song by Quetzal Tragafuego. And in the song, I understand we can hear the tarima.
2: Yes, we can. Um, so in this case, as Quetzal, you know, we're influenced by this culture, we're part of it, you know, we're part of the community, but then we're also artists, right? We, um, we take um, influences of this um, influence and you can hear, and, and I create rhythms on the tarima that are, you know, rooted in fandango, but also have West African and other kinds of rhythms, being that I'm a percussionist in, in a greater sense as well.
1: <sighs> okay, well let's hear it.
2: La aire el fuego, sus sueños la noche say, su por la noche. Ay, su por la noche. Fuego, fuego. La lumbre y su
1: that's Draga Fuego from Quetzal, and we're actually getting uh, some questions from listeners from Quetzal fans. This listener writes, can you tell us more about how Quetzal started? What are some of the stories that Quetzal tells? How did it get started?
2: Well, I joined Quetzal two years after the or the, you know the band was started. Um, Quetzal Flores is the founder of Quetzal. He's uh, born in Salinas, uh, son of uh, Chicano activists. Um, and um, it, he started the band in 1992, 1993, Excuse me, um, after the uprising at um, the riots here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. and with the desire to sort of express a new sound in chicano music you know prior to this you had the punk rock scene in chicano music but also you know the santana and like um you know especially in california santana war and like um tierra and stuff like that uh wonderful music like that but um he felt like he wanted to really try to explore other sounds and so um he started the band and. And uh, and I came into the band in 1995. And um, and I would say that every band member that has come and gone within Quetzal has really always influenced the sound. It's um, Quetzal as a band is really about building uh, relationships, you know, and, and dialogue and music. And so um, the members really make the sound. And um, I think the longest standing members have been myself, Quetzal, Tailana Enomoto on violin and um, Juan Perez on bass.
1: So you were born in Boyle Heights. How has that shaped or informed your musical sensibility?
2: It's, it's, it's fun. It's foundational. You know, Mm. Uh, Boyle Heights has is so diverse in, uh, in music and experiences. Um, You have people here that are, you know, uh, mostly Mexican uh, um, descendants, right, Um, immigrants. So you get to hear everything from, you know, what Mexico music is and can give, which is, you know, boleros, uh, rancheras, uh, banda, mm, uh, son jarocho, son huasteco, You know, and then other Latin American influences like Son Montuno, Salsa, right? Um, And on top of that, you have also what we get here in in the U.S. and and with um, Black communities here, you know, uh, soul, R&B, hip-hop. So we have all of that in Boyle Heights. You know, we have rock and jazz, and um, Boyle Heights is known for their backyard bands, and there have been many that have come out to continue on, and and we're just one of them. We're just another band from East LA to take Los Lobos line.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this listener tweets, I grew up in a big family where music or plays were always part of holidays. My older brothers were and are both fantastic, but all of us could join in. Yes, great for a cause or community, but also great for the soul of an individual. It is your partner. The head of Getzl, Uh, you are the lead singer, songwriter, percussionist of it. I understand your your son also plays music as well, so it is also for you a family affair.
2: Oh man, yes, my son is another level. I have to say, <laughs> he's a wonderful musician. He grew up with it, and I'm proud to say that he under there, there are two really different um value systems we espouse here in the household right one is like the way we play here at home and we're just jamming out we we can play for hours it's one of the few things that pull him away from his phone or his ipad um and then there of course there's a the value system of the stage right if we're at home and we're rehearsing for something like you know the value system of the stage is something else it's like we we are professional musicians as well and that is a whole other level of, of preparation um, but the home life and music is about uh, again another cathartic exercise. Or he understands the value systems in fandango. You know, he's a wonderful song, the requinto player. He plays leona. He can sing. He plays marimbol. You know, he he's all of the instruments in the in the in the craft in the 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 practice. Um, and so yeah, it's it's wow. definitely a family affair for us too. <laughs> um, also, my my. Well, we're coming up on a break,
1: so finish that thought right after. Stay with us, Martha Gonzalez. Okay, got it.
2: Thanks.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sarriaho's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward.
1: This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with 2022 MacArthur fellow from California, Martha Gonzalez. And uh, Martha, just before the break, you were talking about the principles that your family uh, plays by and and how they're different for home and the stage and so on. Did you want to finish your thought there?
2: Yes, sorry. Um, I'm just going to say that. um, And I myself come from a musical family as well. My brother's a singer for a very wonderful band here in LA called La Verdad. His name is Gabriel Gonzalez. And um and then my my husband's um sister, Sochi Flores, is part of Gambalache, um, who married in with who married Cesar Castro, who is one of the maestros and a member, former members of Mono Blanco, which is one of the group that I mentioned earlier. And so music is in our family. My niece also plays amazing um, piano. Um, And so, yeah, where music is just runs through our veins in many ways, many levels.
1: Well, Gina writes, Martha is an inspiration and re-inspiration. I write collective songs with my community of activists. It helps encourage people to be creative and courageous in what they want to bring into the world. Change, hope, and ideas that transform the world. Creating together makes activists of artists and artists of activists. She is a genius indeed. Uh, let me go to her. Oh. Thanks, Thank you, Gina. Yeah. Let me go to call up Fred in San Francisco. Hi, Fred. Thanks for waiting. Hi. Yeah. How are
4: you? Thank you. Um, so I, I have a question or more of like a comment. You know, um, Israel bans anti-apartheid Palestinian music and has been doing so for decades. And what that has done is influence Palestinian culture and music to become more politicized than other cultures because of the context that it's being generated from. How how do artists, you know, come to grips with the context in which they're creating music and staying within, you know, authentic within their own voices without, you know, being politicized in sometimes very extreme ways? Does that question make sense?
2: I think I understand. Martha? Um, I think that artists will find ways of generating the ideas they need to generate in subtle and more overt ways, uh, in all kinds of ways, right? And I think that the urgency is what drives oftentimes an artist. Um, There is, um, and again, you know, some folks um, uh, will be more overt than others, but um, I think it's all important and necessary. And sometimes people feel that um, music shouldn't just should just be entertaining. It shouldn't be something that you know really prods people to think or you know, and I don't necessarily believe that I think that artists that is our job. As 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 a people that are expressing and have been given a gift, or you're cultivating a gift, or whatever, you know, you have. That's our responsibility. I don't think that the world would have changed in any way, or for the better, or we're going to change anything without artists.
1: Is that what it means to be an artivista, or or what is an artivista?
2: Well, an artivista is not unlike an artist activist, right? We, of course, I myself, you know, again, you know, we're in Quetzal. We talk a lot about our communities, about the problems in our communities, the beauty in our communities as well, how we thrive, how we hope to change the world, of course. But I think an artivista really signals more to what I stated earlier, and that is process, right? That we're really also about... It's not enough anymore in our society and in every in our highly consume, you know, consumer society to yet sell on something else. Right. Our our own, our own music. Right. Where it, we commoditize everything. Um, that's not that's not challenging anything anymore or not as much as we it used to. Right. You can take revolution, package it, put a barcode on it. You can take that and sell it and sell some Nike shoes with your song, you know what you thought was challenging a system. Um, I think that we as artists need to go beyond that and cr- create methodologies and um, use our skill sets to instigate uh, critical processes, you know, like the collective songwriting or engage in participatory aspects of music and using our skill sets to pull others into the actual process so that, um, our minds uh, can be transformed, but our bodies are, are also engaged in, in these processes, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, let me go to caller Mark in Running Springs. Hi Mark. You're on.
5: Hello. Um, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, ethnomusicologist and a linguist. And I worked in West Africa for 15 years, uh, 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 forming and leading groups, uh, ec- it was an ecumenical organization, and um, we. I worked with in nine different uh, languages, and uh, I never wrote. I only wrote one song, and that was in Ewe, which I speak fa- fairly well. But the other nine languages, I was just a facilitator, and I would only ask questions as a linguist. If mm-hmm. you say it like this, do you sing it like this? Because all of the choir languages I was working in uh, are tonal. So mm-hmm. the text itself determines what the melody is. Uh, anyway, so over 15 years uh, with the nine uh, different groups, uh, we, well, they, you know, with my facilitation, uh, wrote over 2,000 songs.
2: Wow. 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 Wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Well, well, Mark, thanks
1: for for sharing that experience with us. And it it is, I mean, what you tap into, I think, with all of this blending of so many different, I don't know, different sounds, ideas, and and not just that, but also goals that it sounds like people have for communities, for themselves, um, that are just sort of based in making the world essentially a better place, right?
2: (laughs) Right. And and connecting with others in ways that are um, not thought of as important oftentimes, right? In rare cases. Um, It's sort of like learning to grow your own food. You spend time, uh, you water it, you go out and look at the every day at the seed before you know it, you have a little bit of green sprouting through and then it grows into this beautiful tomato, right? And then you eat it. And after that, you say, wow, I just did that. I just grew some food. um, And this is amazing. I can feed myself, right? And so making music, staying involved in music or learning a craft like music or Another craft, it it could be something else. It could be quilting with others. It could be uh, cooking with others, making it a kind of communal activity, involving yourself in a kind of convivencia, what I'd like to live with, right? To be with and in community with others in a creative act brings us back to our humanity. um, and, And it allows us to engage in dialogues that we might not normally make or take time to do and that is that is the the purpose here and it's not that i want to sell everybody again with the selling um collective songwriting or just fandango i mean there are so many things that you probably have in your life that maybe that or in our root cultures that we take for granted or we haven't really looked into as something that is viable that will connect us to our humanity again which we need so much of right now um, to step away sometimes from our phones and to, you know, engage with others, be in community with others, and really give it the time and energy that it deserves so that we can we demonstrate to our kids and to the people coming after us that this is important. It's an important way of building out the future in so mm. many respects.
1: Is that what you would say to people who are curious about making, just making music, but aren't sure where to begin, to look to their roots, to
2: their yeah cultural roots yeah and communities. absolutely try to look into your roots or uh be a part of of learn a craft you know learn, begin to try to learn a craft there are so many free workshops out there um look for if you fandango if you're curious about fandango look up communities in in your area that are teaching the craft um you know most fandango workshops will not charge um that's kind of part of the ethics of it right that somebody taught you for free you're going to teach others for free and you're just going to pass on that information the way it used to be passed on and that's just spending time together and having meals and that's something else right it's not in the fandango there's we're playing music and we're engaging in this convivencia through music but we're also eating we're having food we're sharing food we're libation i mean you know all of these things are part of the practice um, and, um, and that's just, uh, and it's not, and it's with, you could, it could, you could be related to the folks there, but you're also not related to people and you develop relationships and, and watch people have babies and you, you know, you grow up with them and now they're older. And now, I mean, this is exactly what the, um, communities here in Los Angeles have done. And, you know, we've done in Seattle Fandango project and, you know, we, we become family. It's like mus extended musical family, which is really. Um, beautiful in times of need and and support emotional and spiritual support and and um, and you know it's just it's just a beautiful you know thing to belong to but but everybody has this in their root cultures right I think that American society oftentimes the idea is here is to shed yourself of your roots and who you were or what practices you came from what language you spoke and um, assimilation is part of of forgetting and 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 you know and uh, and and me, cultural amnesia and, and that's not what we want. We want to go back to that. We I encourage everybody to dig back into their own root cultures and if it's too far back that we folks forgot then then restore, um, reinvent, um, create. You know.
1: Well, Paul writes much of my childhood exposure to music included Pete Seeger and Paul Robeson my namesake. And when I learned to play, I started with Phil Ox, Tom Paxton, and early Dylan. So politics has always been part of music for me. I travel up to paradise about once a month to play and record with friends. We're talking with Marta Gonzalez. Yeah, very lovely. Lead singer for the East LA band Quetzal, an associate professor of Chicanx and Latinx studies at Scripps College, and also a 2022 MacArthur Fellow. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Lynn in Walnut Creek. Hi, Lynn.
6: Hello. Oh, I'm so grateful to get on. Marta is inspiring me. Um, I just wanted to share, um, I have a totally different background than she does, much more Northern European, choral music, but uh, was raised with a mom who was always singing in the kitchen, always went to bed hearing my dad playing the piano. And as I uh, grew and took on the profession of teaching little ones. I realized how I brought my music and um, my songwriting into my classroom, and what an amazing way to teach. Um, so unifying as a class, we became a family. But as as needed, songs would pop into my head. You know, how to teach the long vowels, how to teach the days of the week. It was all through singing and. So we would stand up and move, and the rhythm would take us and the rhythm instruments, and um, the the learning that they did <clears throat> became much deeper, I believe, because it was through music. And um, continuing that now with always with my children and then my grandchildren, songs that had to do with everyday life, feelings, the weather, the fog blowing in. Yes. Um, songs would just pop into my head and we sing them now. My children are adults. Um, my grandchildren have grown up with songs that I, that I composed for bedtime. And I, I hate to use the word composed because they <laughs> would just come into my head and yeah. I would wake yeah. up in the night and the theme would be there and the rhythm and the chords and, I actually feel like I am a composer, which is pretty That's amazing. Right. But and you are. It had on children throughout my life. I'm getting to be an old lady now, still with songs popping into my head, and very musical children and grandchildren who what I really want is for them to write them down so um, I can pass them along. You know, they're, I, I yes. actually think they're beautiful. I enjoy well, them. And the family enjoys them. So. Yeah.
2: Well, that's we so can really beautiful. I love that. That's exactly what goes on in my home. There are things I used to, yes, exactly the same thing. And and my mom was always singing around the house and my dad was a singer. And so it's absolutely a part of how, and and it just, there's something about a singing household that's, that's beautiful. Uh, folks that value this. And I love hearing that. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for that. Let me see if I can squeeze Peter from Florida in here. Hi, Peter.
2: You know, hi. You know, what you just
4: reminded me of, and this is a little anecdote. Over a hundred years ago, there was a school teacher, and she made this song, and he said, "Good morning, dear teacher." Or it was like, good morning to you. It became happy birthday to you. Now the most popular song in the world. And it just started as a way for the class to greet each other, saying, good morning, dear teacher. (laughs) And it was just, I think they were in Kentucky or something. It's a fascinating story because, because, when it was like is that song still copyrighted they went back to find out <laughs> what is the origin of this song and it was really this this it happened in a school in like <laughs> when i say kentucky good morning dear teacher it was just a way of Aww. getting the class to be happy together and now the most yes. popular song yeah. in the world you know what i mean yeah, yeah. did,
1: yeah. did you want to share something about music's impact on you peter
4: yeah well um yeah yeah i was i was thinking yeah joining like being part of a choir. I You know, I have this fantasy that that would be like just being in a choir. You, you learn the experience of like, okay, tenors are going to rehearse I, through NYU, whatever. Okay, tenors get together. And it's very clunky. You're just with the other tenors. You're learning the words. You're learning the rhythm. You're learning the melody. But what's amazing is when is gonna have a group rehearsal. Mm. It's like, Wow, that's what it sounds like with the altos and sopranos. It's yeah. as a social experience. It's just wonderful. You mean I yeah. was this one voice kinda of clunking through and now it's this beautiful big thing.
1: <sighs> yeah, that's such a great description of what it's like to be in choir. We're actually gonna go out, uh, we're just coming up on the end of the show with the song todo lo que tengo but before we go i do
2: i'm sure you get asked this a lot but do you
1: have plans for your macarthur
2: winning <laughs> you know i think it's bad luck to plan okay. money before it's in the <laughs> bank account <laughs>
1: okay good good point good but point. i can't
2: but i can't say i haven't thought about like i think it's funny like i, I one of the first thing i thought of was like oh no taxes you know <laughs> So, you know, um, I think about that, but I think about um, my son, he's going to start college. And so, and I think about my mom and uh, providing for her and, uh, you know, a lot of what first gen, um, first generation to immigrant parents, like just sort of like the security that some of this will bring is, is what is somewhat of a relief in my life.
1: Yeah, I I get that. Um, well, Martha Gonzalez, congratulations. It's been really a pleasure to speak with you today. Same
2: here. Thank you for having me.
1: Martha Gonzalez, 2022 MacArthur Fellow, also frontwoman of the band, East LA Band, Quetzal. We're hearing Todo Lo Que Tengo. My thanks to listeners for sharing their experiences with music and questions, and to Caroline Smith for producing today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
4: Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years, or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole? for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.